Good to Second Thessalonians, Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter one. This morning, we are going to be starting a study in the book of Second uh, <clears throat> Thessalonians. Uh, it's a small book; it's only three chapters. Um, if you don't know where it is in the Bible, I know when I first got saved, I used to have to turn to the index because <clears throat> I knew nothing about the Bible. Uh, so I, I would turn to the index, find it, uh, and then and then do that. But First uh, uh, and Second Thessalonians is are the first two books of what I call the T books: First uh, Second Thessalonians, First Second Timothy, and Titus. So that's how that's how I remember where Second Thessalonians is. is a small book. Um, uh, Thessalonia is a uh, Thessalonica, excuse me, is a is, is an interesting church uh, in 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 the Bible. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but it is an interesting city. Um, you can actually go to Thessalonica today. It, it's still there. It's still uh, it's still a functioning city. Uh, it is uh, in the country of Greece, and it is still to this day. An industrial and commercial city, uh, as it was in Paul's day. Uh, <clears throat> I did not think of asking, looking at the population currently, but uh, during Paul's day, the population was about 200,000, so it was a big, uh, big city for the day. Um, uh, the population obviously was mostly Greek. It had some Roman population, and it had a a strong but small Jewish population. And when Paul went to Thessalonica back some 2,000 years ago, uh, he, was, he was there for only three weeks. Uh, and in those three weeks, he preached in the synagogue, the Bible tells us he, he preached in the synagogue for three weeks. And that was Paul's pattern. He would go to a city and he would... He would uh, go straight to the synagogues and he would start preaching in the synagogues to to help reach the Jewish population but also he would then reach out to the um, uh, non-Jewish uh, population as well <clears throat> in the three weeks that Paul was there God did miraculous things in the hearts of people I want to read you in Acts chapter 17 uh, verses 1 through 4, some of what happened. Uh, and when they had passed through, uh, amph- uh, am- uh, well, anyway, there's two uh, cities that start with A right there. I'll let you interpret them. Uh, and they came to Thessalonica. Uh, there was uh, a synagogue of Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went <clears throat> in unto them. Uh, three Sabbath days reasoned with uh, them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and ri- risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believe and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greek, a, multi- a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So a lot of people got saved and and God in three weeks time God raised up an incredible work in the city of Thessalonica but the problem was 
that Paul was only there for three weeks. He wasn't there really long enough to to teach and to to instruct the people in in proper doctrine. Uh, he was it, it, he was run out of the city, uh, and thus the books of First and Second Thessalonians are born. Um, well, really, First Thessalonians was was just an attempt to answer the question, how does someone live for God? And, and when Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, and we looked at 1 Thessalonians a while back, but when Paul wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians, he was helping the young Christians answer the question, how do I live for God? So if you have never read, or, or it's been a while since you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, let me encourage you to do this. It is a great way to just get some practical Christianity 101, if you would. <clears throat> As we look at the book of 2 Thessalonians, um, we, we need to remember that Paul did not look at doctrine as a theory or something to be argued with. Uh, he didn't... He, he didn't think about theologians that would be arguing for centuries over doctrine. To, to, to Paul, doctrine was the thing that we looked to to guide our lives. And that's exactly what we should be doing today. As we begin this study of the book of 2 Thessalonians, uh, we're going to be looking at some incredible truths, uh, some prophecy. We're going to be looking at some prophecy here uh, in chapter 2. But we're going to be looking at some incredible truths that we can use today in our lives. This morning, the title of my message is Finding True Encouragement. Finding True Encouragement. As we have our theme this year, Striving Together, for the faith of the gospel. I've talked many times uh, over the last six months since the first of the year, I've talked several times about the, the, the encouragement that we can get from God and that the encouragement that we can get from each other and, and so on and so forth. And, and as, as I was preparing um, and praying over the last several weeks, uh, I, I contemplated skipping chapter 1 because we've talked about it already. But God really burdened my heart, and I believe with all my heart that so, there's somebody here this morning that needs this message. Even though I've already talked about encouragement multiple times this year already, I, I, I believe that there's still someone who needs this message on, on encouragement this morning. Finding true encouragement. You know, my desire is to help you find true encouragement, not some phony feeling that's only going to last for a short period of time. We need something that we can trust in, that we can rest in. Because I can promise you, if you are not in the midst of a battle, you will be. It's just part of life. So as we look at the word this morning, I want you to, to, to just 
take a minute and we're going to we're going to stop and pray right here and I want you to just take a minute I want you to ask yourself this question is this message for me this morning let's pray dear Lord thank you for this day thank you for your love and Lord as we we all know life can be full of ups and downs it's, it is part of life but Lord as we look at the word this morning we can have true biblically based encouragement in the midst of incredibly difficult situations and we ask your God that you would speak to our hearts that you would strengthen us that you would encourage us that you would help us to be more like you for it's in Christ's name we pray amen 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. And Paul and Silas and Timotheus unto the church of Thessalonica in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth not that we ourselves glory in you the church of God for your patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulation that ye endure finding true encouragement is a journey that many people are on today you look around our world today the entertainment industry is a multi-billion dollar industry what does entertainment provide entertainment provides moments of peace and comfort But what happens when the activity is over? Reality sets back in. But if we are going to have true encouragement, it is only going to be because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only going to be because He is the center of our universe, not the universe the center of our universe. Because as long as we allow the world to be the center of our universe, then we are going to go from one problem to another, to another, to another. And we will have no source of peace, no source of encouragement. The believers at this incredible church were thankful for what Paul had written in the first book it had been a great encouragement to them it had it had answered a a lot of the questions that they had but unfortunately because Paul was only there for three weeks and he had only written one letter that we know of they were struggling in some areas Have you ever heard the phrase false doctrine? Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> well, <clears throat> the church at Thessalonica had received a letter that had claimed to be from the Apostle Paul. And <clears throat> this letter uh, would fall under the category of false doctrine. It had, this letter had claimed that the believers uh, were in the midst of the day of the Lord or the, the day of wrath or the, what we would call the tribulation. And so the fear had entered the church of Thessalonica. There was a, there was a fear that <clears throat> something was going on. And Paul had very clearly taught some things about the tribulation period. And, and now they had received this letter that had contradicted some of what Paul had taught. Look at chapter 2 and verse 2. It says that ye be not soon shaken in, in mind or be troubled neither by spirit <clears throat> nor by word nor by letter as, uh, as from us uh, as the day of the Lord is at hand. So, so there is the reference to this letter and Paul is putting it to bed and saying, look, th this letter claiming that it's the day of the Lord or the tribulation period uh, it, it is not correct. I did not author this letter. Don't be troubled in your mind. One of the things that Christians today should be weary of is false doctrine. Uh, because of the internet, uh, <laughs> false doctrine is spread quickly. And, and we, we need to be very careful what we read on the internet. Um, uh, and it, it, we, just, we just need to be really, really careful. <clears throat> Needless to say, okay, let, let me back up here for a second. The church at Thessalonica had been under severe persecution. They had, they had been oppressed for quite some time. And if you were under that kind of persecution and you had received a letter from the Apostle Paul claiming to be from the Apostle Paul, stay, stating that you were in the midst of tribulation, wouldn't it seem likely that you would be kind of apt to believe it? I would. Many people today are looking for the end times. I, 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 my wife and I will say to each other, uh, often I guess you'd say, boy, it sure would be nice if the Lord came home today, came back today. You know, just just take, get me out of here, get me out of this mess. Any of you ever say that? Okay, we all do. Okay. <clears throat> this week I had a conversation with someone who was absolutely convinced that we are living in the day of the Lord. And I and 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 I said, you know what? It could be. Uh, obviously, 
you know, I'm not a theologian. I'm just a simple pastor. But you know, it, it, you know what the the tribulation or the 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 rapture it could it. it my brain is moving faster than my mouth. The <laughs> the rapture could happen at any minute. Every every prophetic thing that needs to happen for the rapture to happen has already happened. Does that make did that make sense? Okay, okay. Um, that grammatically that did not come out right. Um, but anyway, I think you got the point. So nothing else has to happen for the rapture, except for God's mercy on mankind. I believe with all my heart the only thing that's restraining Christ right now is his love for mankind. So that should cause us to be urgent about sharing the gospel. But is it going to happen today? I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I, I think it'd be great, especially if we were in church. Wouldn't it be cool if it happened in church? <clears throat> Paul started the the book of first Thess or excuse me, second Thessalonians with the very thing that the people of Thessalonica needed most, and that was encouragement. Because they were experiencing fear. They, they had gotten this false letter, this false doctrine that they had believed. So that they were, they, were, they were in the midst of persecution. They had gotten this letter from who they thought was Paul. And fear had struck their hearts and caused them to doubt. And they just needed to be encouraged in the Lord. Now, now let me say this. When, when, when we are going through difficult times, that's exactly what we need. First and foremost, we just need God's people to encourage us. So, <clears throat> point number one. Let's look at their surroundings. Again, the people had been discouraged. They had been persecuted. And they had allowed all of their surroundings, all of their circumstances to cause them to doubt. And I can, I can say with a certain amount of certainty, we are all guilty of the same thing. When, when life closes in on us, it is so easy for us to focus on that than it is on him. I believe that that's why in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul starts off with trying to encourage the believers. Letter A, let's look at their, they had, they had a growing faith. They had growing faith. Look at verse 3. It says, <clears throat> We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it uh, is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. They had growing faith. 
Faith is something that grows slowly. And oftentimes, we don't see the growth in our own lives. There's a a phrase that I've heard for, for many years. I don't know who the original author is, but I've heard it many times over the years. It says, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Now, I want you to think about that, that statement. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Uh, in other words, difficult situations are the way that God oftentimes chooses to grow us and to grow our faith. And Paul starts off here in verse 3 and he says, Hey, look, stop for a minute and look back. And see how much stronger your faith is today than it was before. And there are times in our lives that we have to just stop sometimes. And give God the opportunity to show us where he's brought us from. Now it's not in my notes, so I'm going to mess this up. But in Isaiah, my favorite verse in the Bible is Isaiah chapter, chapter 51, 1. And in that verse, Paul said, or Paul, Isaiah, Isaiah says, Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. And, and without going into a lot of explanation about what, what, what Isaiah is talking about there, basically what Isaiah is saying is, Don't forget where Christ has brought you from. Don't forget. That's why I love that verse is because periodically I will go to Isaiah chapter 51.1 and I will will spend some time meditating and thinking about where Christ has brought me from. I am so thankful for what Christ has done in my life. James chapter 1 verses... 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Do you want to live your life wanting nothing? Absolutely, we all do. That, that to me is the, the, the epitome of, 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 of encouragement, is to want nothing. Well, how do we get to, our, to a point in our lives where we want nothing? It, it starts by letting God have his way in our lives. He calls it diverse temptations here, or what we would call today struggles, or, or uncomfortable situations that God puts us in. That's how God grows us to the point where we want nothing. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary uh, to China, in one of his books, he wrote this. My faith in God grew from the first day he determined to live uh, by faith in God alone. He learned to trust God in his salary especially when his busy employer forgot to pay him. He learned to trust God daily, uh, in, in, in God for his daily needs. And as his faith was tested, he, he, he grew in faith. 
and was able to trust God for his supply for an entire missionary organization. Sometimes it seems that God had forgotten him, but Hudson Taylor continued to pray and trust, and God answered. Hudson Taylor spent 51 years in China. He started the China Inland Mission that began uh, <clears throat> that that he began was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country of China. They started 125 schools and were directly uh, responsible for over 18,000 Christian converts, as well as the establishment of over 300 workstations and over 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. Hudson Taylor was a man who learned to walk by faith. Another quote that I, I, I like, uh, I, again, I don't know the author of it is, uh, an, an easy life can lead to shallow faith. How many of us want an easy life? I think we're all guilty of saying yes to that one, especially when we are in the midst of a hard time. It's like, okay, can I have a break? But it's the hard things in life that strengthen us. Amen. As you read through Hebrews chapter 11, known as the Hall of Faith, you will see normal people that endured incredible situations by faith. Normal people. And oftentimes we take these people and we put them on pedestals and say, well, they were special. No, they were normal people that learned to walk by faith. Just like you and me. Letter B. Let's look at, let's look, uh, they had love for each other. Again, let's look at verse 3. <clears throat> We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity or the love of each other, or, or, or of every one of you, all toward each other aboundeth. Not only did they have love for each other, but it abounded. It was obvious that they had love for each other. Let me say this, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll understand what I'm about to say. Suffering can make us selfish. Can it not? Suffering can make us selfish. In fact, it makes most people selfish. Because what do we do when we hurt? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, what do we do when we hurt? We, 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 pull, we pull away, do we not? Life then all, all of a sudden comes about, becomes about us. But what have, look at this church in Thessalonica. They were in the midst of persecution. But their love for each other abounded. And Paul was trying to encourage them and say, look, 
when you when you mix grace and faith you get love and when you when you take grace and you you mix it with love you 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 have to love people and paul was trying to encourage the the believers here in thessalonica because they had my impression is that they had forgotten. But Paul is telling them, look, you, your love is genuine. It's not about you, it's about, it's about others. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, for in Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith that worketh by love. When a Christian's surroundings are difficult. Now get this. Please get this. Our faith should reach upward. When our situation is difficult, our faith should reach upward. And as our faith goes upward, then we are able to reach outward. And when we are able to do that, lives around us can be in- incredibly impacted. Thoreau wrote this. He said, <clears throat> in his description of a city, he said, a city is a place where many people are lonely together. Residents of high-rise apartments can be suffering greatly, and the people in the next apartment know nothing about it. And I believe, unfortunately, churches can be the same way. We can come to church on Sunday mornings, and we can shake hands, and we can smile, and we can greet one another, and and we and we commit the biggest lie that 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 Christians commit. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. When inside you're hurting. And if there's ever a place on the face of the earth, it should be a church that you should be able to go to and say, you know what? I'm having a bad day. Could you pray for me? It should be this place. When we focus on our surroundings... It encourages spiritual and emotional isolation. Even to the point where we don't care what's going on with other people. That's where a lot of people live. But that's not where this church lived. In the midst of horrible persecution, they cared about each other. They loved one another. Number three, not only was their faith growing, not only did they love each other, but their patience improved. Wouldn't you love to improve your patience? (laughs) Yeah, right now. Look at verse four. So that 
we ourselves glory in you, in the church of God, for your patience and faith. In all your persecution and tribulation that ye endure. Paul was acknowledging the fact that they were going through persecution. What, what exactly is persecution? You know, persecution is one of these words that modern-day Christians don't really understand. But what, what is persecution? Per, persecution is, is harassment. It can, be, it can be physical abuse. I know, and I've been to countries... When I was a missionary, I've, I've been to countries when, when people get converted to Christianity, they lose their jobs. Think about that. I, I know a lady in Japan, the, the, the moment she was baptized, the day that she was baptized, her family had a funeral service for her. Would never talk to her again. Are you willing to make that kind of sacrifice? Persecution. The word tribulation here is a is an interesting word. It means to be under constant harassment. So Paul acknowledges not only were they persecuted, but they were in tribulation. So it wasn't, it wasn't that they were just being picked on occasionally. They, it, was a, it was a state of living. They were under constant persecution. They were under harassment. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulations work at patience. Now, how many of you wanted, a minute ago, said you wanted patience? Okay, you know how you get patience? Tribulations. How many of y'all want to change your mind? And patience exceeding. Uh, uh, and patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know, God never wastes suffering. I heard that one time when I was in college, and I thought, that that's about a stupid statement right there. God never wastes suffering. I thought, well, then why does he make us suffer to begin with? Because he wants to grow us. And that's how he grows us, is, is through the hard times of life. Trials work for us, not against us. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18, it says, For all things are for your sake. All things, good and bad. Well, we say good and bad, but who defines bad? We do, not God. For all things are for your sake. 
that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, because through our outward man, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, God permits trials to come into our lives, not to punish us, but to grow us, to grow our faith, to grow our patience, so that we can get to a point in our lives where we want nothing. Not an awesome thought. Number, number four, letter D. Their reputation spread. Their reputation was, was, was spreading. Look at verse four again. So that we ourselves glory in you in the church of God. In the church of God is making reference to the churches all over the world. Everywhere Paul went, Paul was sharing the testimony of these people in the midst of the persecution and the tribulations that they were living. Their faith was growing. Their love for each other was growing. And and Paul was sharing it all everywhere he went. Churches around the world were being encouraged by their faith. I've got some good news for you. Churches and Christians today are being encouraged by their faith. Can you imagine the believers in this little church in Thessalonica 2,000 years ago as they were struggling through, through, through persecution and all the, the horrible things that they had to go through? struggling through all those things. Now they're in heaven and God is revealing to them, hey, look, look, all that that you had to go through, it is still being a blessing to people today. 2,000 years later. My point is this, we don't know who we're going to encourage by our struggles. We just don't know. I, I can guarantee, well, I can't guarantee, I can almost guarantee that if you could interview one of the believers 2,000 years ago living in Thessalonica uh, and, and you were to ask him this question and say, hey, did you, do you realize that in 2,000, 2000 years you're going to be blessing people? They'd probably laugh at you. But their lives are still touching lives today. And the reality is, when we walk with Christ, our lives can influence lives that we will never know this side of heaven. We just don't know. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be God, even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What is Paul trying to tell the Corinthian believers in this passage? It is this, the, the troubles that we have gone through, that we've made, our, that we've made our, our way through. One of the ways that we can take advantage of those is by comforting people later down the road that are going through similar situations to what you went through. How many of you have ever lost a loved one that down the road later you're able to comfort a friend that loses a loved one? That's what Paul's talking about. How many of you have experienced difficulty with a child as you're trying your best to raise children and, and, and the, the, the child just breaks your heart but later grows up and changes and turns out good and all, you know, but at the time you went through some really, really hard times. You know what? Other people go through those same struggles and you can be a blessing to them. Physical struggles, spiritual struggles, the list can go on and on and on. My wife and I, we lost our first child. My wife was very, very, I don't know, I forget. I know you guys measure by weeks. She was very pregnant <laughs> when, when we lost our child. And sitting in the hospital that day, we had no idea that down the road we would be able to help multiple couples go through the very same thing. When we were going through it, we weren't happy about it. In fact, we were crying and broken. But God used that. And God can use your broken heart as well. God wants to use your broken heart. I thought about something this week as I was meditating and and thinking about this message. What is a reservoir? What, what, what is the purpose of a reservoir? A reservoir is to hold water. Am I right? Okay. What is the purpose of a canal? I mean, we've got a canal runs too friendly. What, what is the purpose of that canal? It's to deliver water, right? Probably from the reservoir. <laughs> okay. And as I, as I was meditating on this, I don't know why th- these two pictures popped into my head. I started asking myself the question, am I a reservoir or a canal? Am, am I, is my purpose to just sit there and collect water or collect the blessings of God or is my life supposed to be a canal where it's to deliver the blessings of God? 
Again, I don't know why, but those, those two pictures popped into my head. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to be a reservoir for God. I want to be a canal. And if it means that I have to go through some hard times, then so be it. And I mean that. During World War II, when the enemies invaded North Africa, the missionaries had to flee, and there was great concern over the churches that they left behind. But when the church, excuse me, but when the war ended, the missionaries returned. They discovered that there were strong, thriving churches all over North Africa. In fact, if you if you do a theological study on the, 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 the different regions of North Africa, you will find that uh, in the first century church, there was, a, there was a, 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 an outbreak of the gospel in North Africa. And many of the churches in North Africa date, date back to the very first century church. This is a cool study, by the way. <clears throat> but the missionaries realized that it was the it was the suffering of war purified the church and strengthened the church. What an incredible, what an incredible blessing. Finding true encouragement. Just looking at their surroundings. Next week we'll we'll be talking about this again. We'll have point number two next week. But just looking at the fact that their faith was growing and that they had this, uh, this incredible, ab- abundant love for one another, that their patience was, was so much greater than it was before, and that their reputation of this little church in a, little, in a, in a, in a Greek city called Thessalonica was spreading across the globe. God used this little insignificant church to bless the people of that day, and he's still blessing people today with it and encouraging us to live for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.